0: Hello, everyone. This is Sean Dubervac from Avrio Institute.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research.
0: Thanks for joining another episode of Techspansive. We're going to go ahead and dive into some of the news from the past week and how it relates to the, the broader industry. We thought we'd start with a look at some of the headphone slash hearable announcements we've seen over the last week. Apple talking about integrating Uh, Hey Siri into the AirPods, Samsung potentially launching Galaxy Buds with Bixby integrated into it. Ross, what are some of your initial thoughts? First off, I I
1: think this is an idea that's been kicking around for a little bit. Uh, There were a couple of um, Bluetooth headset companies that had uh, ambitions uh, toward creating something that you would have in your ear all day long, and you 'd be able to bark commands at it and um, uh, it would it would carry out things for you, carry out tasks for you and This was even before the rise of of Siri and uh, similar agents but now that you 've got these major powers uh, behind these uh, these products it it seems to make a lot more sense. Uh, Apple certainly considers airpods a standalone product category, not. Not merely uh, some kind of iPhone accessory. Uh, there's a lot of technology in that product, and uh, in some ways, it it combines the best of the mobility of uh, the smartphone and the ubiquity of the smartphone or, or smartwatch with the uh, ease of interface that has been very attractive for uh, for things like the echo speaker. So you don't, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't, um, uh, and, and you don't have this, uh, ergonomic issue of say an augmented reality headset where there's, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. Just like for years, we saw people walking around with iPod headphones. Now, you don't know, think twice to see someone with a small white piece of plastic dangling out of their ear. So the, um, uh, if If they could work on say the battery life issues uh uh it it could be a very powerful option to to have access to Siri without or another agent without having to pull your smartphone out of your pocket or glance at your watch you know and and make kind of an awkward uh speaking gesture into it uh just um having it in, in the moment and, uh, being able to record thoughts or send out tasks that are completed, uh, in, in the background as, as you go, go throughout your day. So it's, it's not surprising to see Apple would step up the level of intelligence in AirPods and that it's main competitors like Samsung would, uh, would, would try to do the same or something similar with, with a set of, um, true wireless headphones. I, I guess the true wireless option also helps, right? Because now you're removing yet another encumbrance that uh, that, that would be an issue with a, with a traditional pair of headphones, even Bluetooth headphones. Uh, with Samsung it, and, you know, much like with Amazon uh, on Alexa, it's a little bit of a different story because they're trying to do an end run. They're trying to build up their <clears> – <throat> An agent uh, where they 've been struggling a little bit in mobile, so to be able to launch these um, these uh, earbuds might might be a way to uh, provide more access to Bixby uh, without having to disrupt something on the phone like you know this turf war that Bixby has with Google Assistant on on the Samsung galaxy phones
0: well, and I think what you see is a Continued expansion of these ecosystems, which will drive potentially a a winner-take-all environment. And other news we saw from the week, obviously, was that Apple was kicking companies like Facebook and and Google, uh, revoking their developer uh, tools because of some potential rule. Breaking that that occurred, and their internal
1: uh, certificates for their own internal apps that they rely on.
0: Right, and so you you can see the power that these companies have to control those environments. And I think one of the things you see is an an expansion of those environments as a result of hardware pieces that are going to tie in as the as the UI becomes universal across these different pieces of hardware. And so you're not needing to go to a screen or you're not needing to do some other things. I think you're going to see, again, kind of an expansion of that winner take all ecosystem. So it gets Apple into more hardware categories that historically could be owned by different companies, but because of that UI interaction, it, It might then solidify their ownership of not just the phone, but also headphone category It might also then, you know, bleed into some of these other areas. And we've talked a lot about the watch, but that's a natural area where you could start to see greater ownership as well.
1: And I, I think it ties into another theme we've, we've talked about quite a bit, which is, um, and there was some news on that front this week that, you know, we may want to get a bit deeper into, but the, uh, Apple's transition into more of a services company and a services revenue model and having this little, uh, device in your ear, uh, provides a, another gateway into those services. One of the obvious ones is Apple Music, of course, you know, just like we've seen, um, uh, the Echo Act is a gateway to those services uh in in the home uh, but uh, but there could be many others uh, particularly with the uh, particularly with with the leaps that are being made uh, in in AI and natural voice interface uh many of the things that we do today via apps quick quick kinds of transactions. Uh, could easily be migrated to voice uh, i think uh a- Amazon has uh, led the way there and and the idea is how how do you um you know how how do developers uh make that transition uh because it it seems like they're to me they're being pulled in two directions right on one hand, Apple is saying uh, really exploit this great hardware these giant beautiful screens that we're making for these 13 inch ipad pros on the other hand you know they're being pulled into well make this little companion uh to your app that has a minimalist interface or no screen interface in the case of the airpod so uh i i think developers are going to have to face some some tough choices in in terms of thinking about what is the nature of their experience is it something transactional where you don't want people fiddling around a lot on the screen and you just want to get them to the information right kind of the google model uh or is it kind of a richer media or or entertainment or game-like experience or productivity experience where you you know really want to provide that that rich palette of of tools and people are going to be digging around your app and customizing and and actually you know doing substantial work with it.
0: Well, and I think you're going to see both develop. and And I even in my own house did a little experiment where I took a common area where I had an Amazon Echo and I added a Google Home Hub, and it's been interesting to watch my kids gravitate <laughs> towards the Google Home Hub because hmm. they because of the screen. And so that screen still has a very powerful pull when it comes to user experience. But to your point around developing that service model and what other companies need to start thinking about, what you see in in an Amazon model and even in a Google model is that if I request music on one of those platforms through the digital assistant, it will then sometimes drive me not to my Spotify subscription, but to Amazon music or just to something else. And so it's a way of driving traffic into your own services. And and certainly I think developers need to think about this because we really haven't seen skills in the traditional digital assistant framework developed for Siri. But if I've got headphones in AirPods in and I'm able to say, Hey Siri, uh, transfer you know a thousand dollars from this bank account to this other bank account launch you know whatever it is my bank of america app and do that and so it can then connect with the bank of america digital assistant and can do some of those things for you and there's that that security protocol which is derived from your voice you could imagine that connected headphones that are responsive to voice become a key doorway into a plethora of services, not even just Apple services, though Apple could could arguably go into any of those other areas, but also it then starts to allow uh, us to, to interact with all of these other services through that voice user interface.
1: I, I think Apple is certainly opening up to those kinds of scenarios with uh, Siri shortcuts, allowing app developers to get more aggressive in terms of... <clears throat> How they interact with and take advantage of Siri. Uh, the the other kind of funny thing that I think of when you mention that scenario is how it, in some ways, brings us back a little bit to the uh, to the old world of, of IVR. You know these these interactive voice response menus uh, that consumers hated, uh, but I think in part because for for a few reasons, some of which I think are still valid and some which are not. <clears throat> so, you know, the idea that, you know, I just I just want to get through to a person was, was right. sort of the classic gripe, but that was because the the voicemail jail or the labyrinth was just so dumb, you know, and, and couldn't anticipate a wide enough variety of needs. Uh, the whole premise of these voice-based, you know, new AI-based voice-based Customer service agents is that they can handle, in fact, I, I think, you know, essentially the barometer for how successful they are is what percentage of customer requests can they handle. And, you know, s- some of these companies are claiming success rates in the high 80s or, or 90% range. So uh, if you're able to do that, then consumers uh, will appreciate you know the the convenience of voice because it's it's just such a natural uh, mode of interaction and also i think there's a generational issue where you know when these uh voice response systems started proliferating what the 70s would you say or yeah. 80s or uh, 70s maybe
0: it started with ticket t- ticket reservation systems back in uh, the 70s
1: okay so 70s right uh uh look you know that's um what fifty uh you know 40, uh, forty forty fifty years ago. Uh the uh you know you had a generation that that was used to dealing with humans and now you have a generation that uh is averse uh in, in many instances yeah. to, to dealing with humans uh for for you know certain kinds of things. So but, uh, and I was
0: as an example, I was talking to my son yesterday on the phone and he said, I have something I want to ask you, I'll text you <laughs> And I was like, "We're we're talking right now. You can just ask me right now." But he wanted to uh, to text me instead of talk to me, and so because he wanted he, he
1: wanted you to get the full nuance that text provides. That's
0: that's right. He wanted me to have all of the information. Uh, and so I I do think you do have this rising Gen Z that is adverse to interacting with with humans, and they would much prefer to have not a prompt based experience, but uh, the ability to either you know text or, or or use voice um but not actually have to interact with an with a real person mm. some of the deployments i've seen around chatbots at corporate levels are finding that they're actually having higher net promoter, uh, net, promoter scores. net promoter scores yeah. so you actually are being able to deliver and produce a higher consumer Value uh, proposition: a better consumer experience at a lower cost. So, from a corporate perspective, implementing chatbots make all the sense in the world, and you're mm-hmm. seeing them deployed in lots of different ways for very specific purposes. So, uh, Air France, for example, has a chatbot just for lost luggage. Um, I like to say, you know, maybe you don't actually want your airline to need a chatbot for lost <laughs> luggage, but because they have Ideally, that, you, right? Yeah you can see that they could be deployed in, in very interesting ways and so i think you will see a lot of these you know shortcut series type shortcut or amazon type skill environments become much more uh, involved and much more prolific at the at the voice ui Level, yeah, I, I think that'll be uh,
1: interesting to see how that shakes out. To what extent uh, people or companies, I should say, extend their apps to interface with the major players, and that becomes the major gateway. Or to what extent they uh, bring the technology in house, like Bank of America, right, with with its Erica agent. And I. I can definitely see for some scenarios why a company would want to do that. And then the question becomes that handoff, which uh, I think the Alexa Cortana uh, dynamic, which, you know, by the way, recently uh, Microsoft announced it's kind of out of the game where it comes to Cortana as a general purpose voice agent. Mm -hmm. So to the extent, and, you know, we, we sort of foresaw that kind of happening anyway. So to the extent that uh, that, uh, to to the extent that that relationship can maybe pave a way to show how more specialized agents can interface with more generalized agents, um, it it could provide you know something of a, of a roadmap to major companies and their customer service and, you know, other consumer facing uh, functions.
0: Well, and I think what we saw also in this week is that Apple is willing to step in and cut access off to companies to some of their resources. And so uh, if if you break their, their built-in policies sure. and, and guidelines, so it, it also opens up some corporate risk, I think, for businesses who are going to tie into these and, and look for those seamless handoffs, if they don't play by the rules, or if they're not uh, within the, the that favored nations, if you will, uh, of companies, then they, you know, it could, could be difficult. They could be cut out of some of these markets based upon um, what those relationships look like moving forward. Definitely. Uh, why don't we transition? We could hit on some of those uh, announcements that we saw this week. The two biggest in that area were Apple with their FaceTime bug uh, around privacy, and then and then obviously uh, Facebook and Google both being cut out of at least t- temporarily banned from uh, you know some of the Apple development platform. Do you have any initial thoughts on those beyond some of the things we've already talked about? Uh,
1: you know, I I'll mention that I uh, saw a good analysis. Uh, I think it may have been Casey Newton of the verge uh, writing in his uh, newsletter, uh, which uh, you should all subscribe to. Uh, it's very good. Uh, the uh, talking about just kind of the rising tensions uh, between, you know, just, just showing the narrative of, of rising tensions between Apple and google and facebook Uh, and you know we talked a a bit about this at the end of last year uh, when we kind of did our report card uh Mm -hmm. episode and how and you know i know i've mentioned several times the idea of how apple needs to take this privacy message more directly to the consumer I still haven't. We, we saw a little bit of that at CES, but you know, mm-hmm. still, still more to go there. I, th- I think they're still holding back a little, but but essentially, you know, Tim Cook in ad, you know, it's very difficult for him or Apple to advocate for better privacy controls and more privacy regulation uh, without alienating Google and and Facebook uh, from you know a a from a business model perspective and b from a uh misstep perspective so you know you can have kind of your issues with google and facebook about their business model but but uh you know in 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 theory right it's 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 all opt in and it's uh uh you know the consumer should know and have control over what's happening <clears throat> but of course sometimes that doesn't happen and that's really when uh, a lot of ire is raised so um
0: and, so and whether wait, we go ahead whether we like it or not everybody is using facebook and and instagram and whatsapp and that's what sure. we saw from facebook's revenue announcements and and earnings announcements this week is that a lot of people are using it half a billion people are using instagram stories daily and so apple has to be has to be careful in that they want to tout that privacy storyline and narrative mm-hmm. but, but, but they don't want still to are
1: using the the users either
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the users are still uh, their users their core audience is still heavily involved in these platforms
1: right and um you know, they – they um, it's, it's also going to be interesting as they transition to services. In some ways, it's kind of a familiar situation to Apple uh, in the PC business how they were all about driving maximum revenue per user uh, at the expense of market share. And in the media business, it's many different dynamics, uh, but uh, – you know they're they're also clearly building the components of comprehensive uh media service including music video magazines they already have books there were discussions this week about them starting a streaming game business where they have a, a tremendous franchise in in iOS game development uh so uh you know, a lot of those media businesses uh, depend on reach and the way you achieve reach is through an ad-based revenue model. So, you know, one of the things that uh, hasn't come up is this idea that increasingly – you know it happens to some extent today but but increasingly uh apple is going to be a more i you know i would argue a more direct competitor uh not in the core social business of of facebook but kind of in the services exposure you know we talked about steps that facebook is is kind of taking in this area and and historically it's interesting because it's been uh google uh specifically getting closer and closer to Apple's hardware business, mm-hmm. right? And now it's Apple saying, well, you know, we're shifting a bit and we're getting more into the the media uh business. So well, and why, competition.
0: I mean why wouldn't Apple get into the social networking business as well though? Uh, that- That's a
1: huge question. And and as you know, they have kind of flirted with that in the past. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean I think that would be a, a market that they would want to own and, and they would set it up and establish it different than a uh, Facebook, but you know, I mean, Facebook has evolved tremendously over time as well. And it's changed from an app where we just shared baby photos and other personal announcements to, to something much more, to something that influences national elections. And so, uh, you know, Apple could, could, conceivably launch a service that's more akin to what Facebook once was for for sharing inform you know sharing information, but I think wow. when you when you Go look ahead. at services it's got to be across the board interesting
1: well yeah i mean they they so, the disaster of Ping <laughs> was that you know which was apple's short lived uh, yeah. uh music focused social service uh, was that they they tried uh to kind of straddle that line to say yeah we 're going to do a social service but in kind of this limited way in which we have a franchise. And as you likely remember, uh, quite a few years ago, there were many rumors that Apple was going to buy Twitter when Twitter was, uh, was, was really struggling. Uh, yeah. And you can make the case that it would be a, a good fit for, um, for Apple uh, that uh, Twitter is in some ways the, the Apple of social media services it's uh it's elegant you know um it's it's limited by design uh in some ways but man you know i i think there there are revenue model you know major revenue model cultural challenges uh and there's uh there's just a you know to invoke an old uh, <laughs> uh steve jobs phrase you know there's a bag of hurt <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there, and, in
1: terms of scrutiny, right? So. And I
0: would I would argue their their social network that does work really well is iMessage. That's what they view as their, uh, good point. You know, yeah. their social network right now. And they view it as a as a massive uh, value add to their ecosystem. And there's a lot of push and argument to drive iMessage onto other devices and have sure. it be a the, the secure messaging platform that's available on across hardware devices, if they really are willing to scale their services across devices. And that's one of the big things you saw come out of CES was announcements with all of the major TV manufacturers that they would push out uh, AirPlay 2 right. and, and even iTunes integration into some of the sets. Um, and, and, you know, you look at this streaming gaming service, I, I would argue that the App Store was there gaming subscription business and now that growth is starting to slow there they're looking at how do we reposition this into something else I mean, it wasn't something that you paid monthly for to maintain use of of the same games but it i would argue that gamers were going back to the the app store to try new games in those early years of experimentation and exploration and so in many ways it looked like a subscription mm. game service i mean it, you could obviously also download apps in other areas but gaming was the uh, was a key category and, and often the key category for for apps
1: well, they're, they're, yeah, I certainly agree with your last point. Uh, there are just so many directions they could take with this gaming service. It's, um, uh, and, and each would involve different kinds of trade-offs. So, for example, you know, are they trying to have some kind of all-you-can-eat? Service uh, for iOS devices. Are they trying to expand the uh, market for iOS games beyond iOS devices, uh, even onto the Mac? You know, to to start, are they looking to bring other kinds of games onto iOS devices? Because other companies are doing that. You know, you've got these cloud gaming uh, services like uh, Shadow, and you know there are a couple of others that, uh, you know, people have been trying this for years. It was on live, you know, a few years ago. But as we get closer to 5G and even faster 4G implementations, you know, that becomes uh, more and more feasible and presumably a, a much better experience. And, and so if, you know, certainly other companies are going to try that on iOS, if Apple tries it on iOS, are they providing a disincentive for their... Uh, for other developers to port, you know, to, to iOS, which was a an argument that they made at the iPad Pro launch uh, in in Brooklyn, but you know, that's a twelve hundred dollar device. So,
0: yeah, well, and I, and I think the other area that is of keen interest to Apple is VR and AR and. Mm. At least some of those applications, arguably early on, much of those applications in that space will be game oriented sure uh, I think there's a lot of enterprise applications there as well, but those will come further down we 'll experiment and explore first with gaming and so if you start that off as a subscription business, that I think makes you better positioned to maintain it as a subscription business moving forward possibly i you know when i
1: think of ar at least you know i i tend to think of this holy grail of the world being blanketed in metadata uh, or maybe you know maybe a little bit of a nightmare too but uh, yeah. you know on there would certainly be some benefits uh to that happening and uh if if you think about that kind of scale then subscriptions are kind of a an inhibitor right you want as broad access as c- can be to the point where you might even want to make uh the SDKs or capabilities available on Android devices, at least for the at least for some portion of the build out. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Apple's iPhone business, while much smaller than the installed base of Android devices, is scalable enough where they can launch, you know, where they can have a, a strong enough footprint to build robust AI for Siri, you know, or, or their own mapping applications, all these things where you, you really need to have a uh, massive, massive scale and a massive installed base. So my guess is they would keep that, keep that in the family, you know, for, for the time being. Plus they see it as a big competitive advantage, a yeah. differentiator. So
0: yeah. As do, as do others. I mean, you're seeing, especially in that VR AR space, Ecosystems develop within side of hardware ecosystems or, or service ecosystems. So Facebook is is developing, you know, their own, trying to build out their own niche in that area and, and others are as well. Mm. Uh, the, the other news from the week that we could touch upon briefly was some of the uh, what we'll call pre-Mobile World Congress, pre MWC uh, news, um, and you're seeing a lot around form factor changes with respect to uh, to the phone and what the phone might look like. Do you have any initial thoughts on that, Ross?
1: So I, I think that you know we've talked quite a bit about the two big trends, which are 5G and uh, folding phones. Story today that Huawei, for example, may uh, released its may release its 5G folding phone uh, at uh, at Mobile World Congress. Um, they have been hinting strongly that they intend to be very early to market. Uh, but um, uh, I, I think there are, there are other stories to tell. Some of which have been tried before. Some of which haven't. Some of them are go back to this. Uh, quest for the the all screen device Uh, and the uh we've seen some manufacturers for example put in pop-up cameras to try to uh you know try to get around this idea of the notch where it's been kind of a polarizing interface element uh there um one another chinese vendor um vivo uh showing off this idea of a two screened phone Uh, again not the first time we've seen that although uh it's one the the idea behind it is to make one of the sides all screen without a notch uh so uh it's kind of an extreme measure i would argue to uh to achieve that. but i i guess it is one way uh to achieve that uh and another chinese vendor uh doing its own take on um uh the the expandability uh gambit that uh Motorola has tried and um uh essential, although those efforts uh seem to be DOA for the time being. LG kinda gave it a uh an attempt a, a couple of years ago. Uh a Vendor called uh, doji, I believe has this indieGoGo phone that this thing is just a beast uh, <laughs> you know it 's super ruggedized it 's got a huge battery and if it weren 't you know thick and clunky enough for you out of the gate uh they 've got all kinds of uh crazy expansion model modules like a like a uh heat uh imaging camera um mm-hmm. so uh so yeah it it um it, it's certainly an enthusiast product, so it's it's a good fit for for Indiegogo. Uh and uh it's um it, it's it's just you know, as as we get to saturation and uh as maybe there's a little bit of skepticism about whether folding uh is really gonna be the huge win that uh people think it's may you know, some people think it may be. Uh people are trying some other hedges, I I guess.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I think you'll see those experiments show up, and then they'll become a, a main feature in some of these other, what we'll call mass market phones mm-hmm. in the years to come. You know, four years out or six years out. Uh, it, if you think about the mobile phone, there is a lot of real estate that is going unutilized, and if you can figure out ways of, of better utilizing some of that real estate, then. Um, you, you know, there's probably a lot of opportunity there because that is the the scarce one of the scarce resources of the display is, you know, and of the mobile phone is all of that real estate. So, how can you create more real estate? Essentially,
1: I, I think I saw uh, to that point that um, LG is also looking at maybe scrapping uh, some kind of internal speaker uh, in order to put another camera. Uh, On the phone, you know, they've been kind of obsessed with this more camera is Mm -hmm. better imaging pitch. Uh, So, you know, they may go to five cameras. There are rumors that Apple may go to four. Uh, And yet, uh, as I mentioned uh, last year, we're seeing uh, through AI and as I I wrote about for ZDNet, uh, companies being able to do far more with just a single camera. So uh and, and AI and object recognition. So sure, uh telephoto, wide angle, it's it's gonna be tough to substitute optics uh for for those kinds of functions. But uh for the other reasons why we use multiple cameras today, yeah, you know, there there may not be as strong a case moving forward.
0: Uh yeah, I mean I think that if you think about again going back to where we started this conversation today the voice user interface and that negating right. some of the value of your screen then what are the components of of that hardware that become valuable that can't be replicated at least in, in any near term in in a voice user interface and the camera becomes one of those and you know i always think back to the original iphone launch and Steve Jobs talking about the iPhone being three products in one. <laughs> and one of those was not a camera. You know, they, mm, they really that's had... That's true.
1: Well, the first cameras were pretty bad.
0: <laughs> the first cameras were horrible, you know. and <laughs> And it was over time that Apple really started to tout the camera photographic capabilities of the device, including you know, giant billboards of photos shot on iPhone and other things like that. Right. And so I think we probably haven't seen uh, the, you know ninety percent of what we will see with respect to cameras on the smartphone I and mean, when mm-hmm. you think about VR and, and AR relying on the you know the image capabilities now maybe that further out gets built totally into your eye eyewear mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but in the near term it makes sense I think to leverage the smartphone and use some of the hardware that that's there so I think we still have a long way to go in and really uh, you know, fully unleashing the capabilities of the camera capabilities of the smartphone.
1: And, and Sean, actually, when you alluded to the first iPhone, uh, where I thought you were going to go was talk about uh, how Steve Jobs, uh, what what he highlighted as the biggest problem with smart, so what he called so called smartphones at the time, was the keyboard you know and and so that's that was the big controversial move of of the iPhone was that it you know did away with the little blackberry like uh keyboard uh and uh and and i, I think that uh, you know you could probably trace uh that back as the origin of this obsession with the full screen phone and maximizing the screen to body ratio right because if you think about it that's <laughs> that's where we Got the hugest leap uh, in in screen to body ratio, uh, removing the keyboard and expanding mm-hmm. you know that screen down down to the bottom of the phone. So that's kind of what set it in motion. Uh, and of course, it was um, uh, done in part to accommodate all all these gestures and and you know these uh, this first generation of apps that took much better advantage of, of a larger display. But um, uh, the other point that you made that I thought was really interesting was uh, this idea of optimizing, and I think we this is going to be a long road, but, but optimizing devices uh, in the context of this uh, fully realized ecosystem that you mentioned earlier, right? How the idea is to... Create uh, this family of devices mm-hmm. uh, that that ideally work together uh, and uh, and and serve you know your your ecosystem customer, not your phone customer so so in a world like that right uh, it, it casts an interesting light on the idea to remove the um, say, something like the headphone jack, right? It's not just about maximizing room in the phone, which is the reason that has historically been given for doing it to add more battery, right, or or other things that you could do inside the phone. And it's not just a margin grab <laughs> so that instead of uh you know using some cheapo $5 uh, earbuds now you're more strongly incentivized to buy these you know $150 AirPods uh but it's also um to to shift uh you toward uh toward this this Auditory experience—a better auditory experience than, you know, like in the old Survivor shows or the old uh, Apprentice shows, people running around with their phones and kind of like Nextel mode, you know, hanging off the sides of their faces, uh, or uh, you know, or on speakerphone, uh, or you know, again, pressed up to your face. The idea is that when you're in an audio context. You want to be using an and a device optimized for that, and a services optimized for that experience. And AirPods in this context are a far provide a far better experience uh, with all the caveats I mentioned earlier about how we need to work on battery life and you know other things. But but it, it's it's uh, it, it's something that on the face of it looks like kind of a simple engineering decision, but but it takes on new meaning when you think about it in the context of what is the optimal device when interacting with an ecosystem.
0: Yeah, and to your point, it uh, it is especially meaningful when the underlying ecosystem is a service business that mm-hmm. that is playing in all of these different services. And so those end up working quite well together or should work well together. And, and Apple has done a very good job at at having those work well together, is having a seamless experience between hardware and software. And as some of that user interface changes and, and you know, is enabled by voice, then it's keeping a seamless experience between hardware, software, and services and user interface. And so, um, you know, having a variety of different things to turn to in order to employ service or engage in services uh, will will be meaningful. And, and we didn't even hit on some of the other service areas. We mostly have focused and most of the news from the last couple of weeks has focused on entertainment services, gaming, right. video, TV, you know, TV services, subscription type services. But uh, I still maintain the, the big area for Apple to play in is, is healthcare. And mm. I would argue that uh, just the, the demographics suggest that in twenty years Apple will be a, a much more much more heavily focused on healthcare and will look like a healthcare company more mm. then than they do today.
1: Well there's they're certainly planting seeds there, you know, yeah. no no fruit pun intended. Uh, but uh uh sure. Um they've gotta proceed you know, particularly given all the uh, – with all the privacy – well, and, and you know, Sean, actually, that that also helps cast a light on this whole privacy discussion uh, that we've yep. been having, which is, you know, if, if that is Apple's destiny or a big part of Apple's destiny, you can't uh, overplay the privacy card you know uh you have to be seen as uh a company that is capable of, of the highest degree of trust uh and and preserving the highest degree of privacy uh and uh and and so it it you know maybe if we look back 10 years from now we'll see hey you know there there was a, a lot of uh there was strong incentive for for Tim Cook to to wage this, uh, this campaign, uh, today, given, given where Apple wants to go.
0: Yeah. And I think you could argue that uh, to your point of Apple's privacy push today is a healthcare push. And Mm. when you think about sharing information, extremely sensitive information around treatments or diet diagnostics, who would you trust today? Is it Facebook? Is it Amazon? Or is it Apple? You know, and so when you when you think about that, uh, consumers are going to be probably much more inclined, at least right now, to share that information with an Apple-like company than with than a Facebook or Google or or Amazon-like company? Well, uh, that is interesting.
1: I I mean, as you may know, I uh, did some work with The Verge uh, in uh, late 2017 where we asked about uh, privacy uh, with with many of those big companies and uh, consumer attitudes. And... um, you know uh, as you might imagine uh, facebook fared very poorly uh, but apple probably did not fare as well as uh, as you might have thought uh, and uh, i think some of that is because of familiarity um because relatively few people use uh, apple products as opposed to say um uh, amazon or or uh, or or Google uh, certainly, but you know plenty of plenty of them as you mentioned earlier also use Facebook, uh, and and uh, have a far worse uh, opinion of them. So so yeah, so maybe you know to uh, Tim Cook's note uh, this week about price being a factor finally, and you know maybe this is where they start to recognize that it's not all about or always will will be able to be about maximizing margin on hardware uh, and um, and and so they you know expand out onto third party products we've talked about echo we talked about you know more and those media services. I can all but guarantee will be available on Android. I mean, many of them already are. Apple Music. Uh, I'm sure the TV service will be. Texture. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept that on Android. Uh, the video service, you know, um, the gaming service might be, as we mentioned earlier. So, sure. so uh a lot of transition um for for sure um really uh the that survey that i mentioned earlier was before all of this cambridge analytica uh controversy to say nothing of more recent uh, revelations but um but it's a question that uh i would i would love to to revisit uh, particularly in that healthcare context that you mentioned
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at the margins that the companies reported this week on some of their service businesses, I mean, Amazon saw fabulous growth in operating income driven by AWS and and AWS is uh, now 58% of of Amazon's overall operating income. Mm -hmm. But the margin on that's only 29%, whereas Apple reported service margin of 62.8%. So in order to maintain margins at, at anywhere near that level, Apple is going to have to move into some very high margin businesses. And that would be areas like healthcare, I think, uh, w- would fit that bill as well. And there's not a lot of businesses out there that are going to deliver 62.8% margins. And so um, a- Apple is going to, at the same time they want to grow those areas, they're also going to have to be somewhat selective in order to, to continue to maintain high gross margins. Mm.
1: Well, uh, I think we are now at the margin of uh, our allotment for uh, this week's episode. So uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of great discussion. And um, uh, I, I, was excited about how we were able to take some of the themes we've talked about uh, in the past few weeks and uh, I think move them forward in, in light of uh, so, some new announcements and issues.
0: Yeah, meet me as well. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Again, I'm Sean Dubravac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin. Please feel free to find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin.
0: And uh, tune in next week for another episode of Techspansive.